Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, I really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Well... It is a very, very busy Sunday today here in Portland, Rip City, Rose City, Stumptown. There's a lot going on today, man. I don't like all the names, but uh, I definitely think it's uh, it's Rip City or, or, or Bust right now, man. Everybody better be chanting Rip City today. The uh, Blazers play game seven in three and a half hours. It's Mother's Day. And there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> People were freaking out about the Mother's Day thing with the Blazer game because the Rockets, if the Rockets had won on Friday, the Blazer game would have been tonight. It would have been the 730 game, which I think Blazer fans wanted more, although Game of Thrones fans probably didn't want that. But uh, yeah, now we got the 1230 afternoon game, which I kind of like. And I lucky for me and my mom, maybe unlucky for me, my mom lives across the country, but I don't have to do anything for Mother's Day today. I called her already. I wished her a happy Mother's Day. I'll say it again. You happy Mother's Day, Mom. No. Edible my, arrangements? No, my family doesn't do gifts like that in the same way. Well, I mean, being that you don't see Mom, you probably next next year maybe send her a, a, a Build-A-Bear or something like that. A Build-A-Bear. Yeah, I mean, you know, let Mom know that, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm not going to be there. Well, but... I sent her a card. And, well, you sent her something then. And I called her. Well, you always send her a card. That's yeah, a okay, yeah. And we called her. I yeah. thought you were just cold-hearted and just... Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Yeah. Happy... And to my mother-in-law and to my aunt and any of the other mo- mothers out there who are listening, Happy Mother's Day. Well, I know my mom isn't listening, but Happy Mother's Day <laughs> anyway to my mom. And to all the beautiful mothers out there in the Northwest, man. Today is today is your day. And how about the... Can but, I... be, but be kind to your sons and understand that Game 7 also matters. Game 7 for sure matters, but so not it, as much as Mother's Day. Nothing. I'm just saying be kind to them. That's a three-hour window. The rest of the day is yours. That's, yes. all, that's all I'll say. Yes. They're everything. But, I mean, or if you're with today, them, let them watch it on their phone. And 12.30, like, I think we've we've handicapped ourselves on Mother's Day to being strictly a brunch event, right? Like, Mother's Day, like, that's the one, that's the one brunch meal per year that you can say is almost reserved for that specific holiday. Like, I don't know. People don't take their moms to dinner or breakfast or any of that stuff anymore. Is that passe now? You know what I saw yesterday? I think that's that the I, only reason people are freaking out about having a 1230 game. It's like, well, I take my mom to brunch that day. We'll probably take her to dinner. I mean, Isaac had this happen. He said his wife, who is also a mother, wanted to do a couple of things today. One of them was she wanted to go to the zoo and she wanted to have brunch. So I don't know what Rob's going to do now about that because he's got to watch the game. But I think I think a lot of people want to do it on Sunday, but what I saw yesterday that I thought was smart, and it wasn't locally, it was just all over the place. People were beating the crowds and celebrating Mother's Day last night. 
They were doing dinner last night, so you don't have to wait for nine hours for brunch in the morning because every brunch place in the city is, I guarantee, already full at nine in, in the morning and will be full the entire time. See, that's lazy. Screen no. door? That's not going to work. No, Mother's Bistro, you're not getting in there. No, you try to get a trip on the Spirit right now for, for brunch, guaranteed No, it's sold out and everything. It's probably sold out for years. It's it, Oh, absolutely. You know, but... I don't know, man. It's, You'd rather it's do lazy. it on Sunday? Man, I'd rather. Yeah, it's Mother's Day. Like, that's, Well, some mothers don't like crowds. Maybe the Saturday night is better. And, and, yeah, if she doesn't like the crowd, then we'll figure something else out. You know, make plans to, to do so. But if you know you're going to try to avoid a crowd, so you want to go out on Saturday, then hopefully you're prepared for the Saturday meal. Like, I mean, or with the, whatever the Saturday event is. Don't just wing it. Like that, I think that's the worst thing you can do. It's like, oh, well, we'll figure it out, Mom. That says, I put no thought into this, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, we got this text, sons. Yeah, sons and, and daughters, sorry. Sons and daughters, give them a break if they're big Blazer fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just for a while. And like I said, the game is at 1230. You know, that gives you a lot of time to maybe go somewhere that does have a game on the, on the background, just kind of look up at it. And we live in the, the era of streaming. Like, you can go ahead and watch it on your phone by just Googling it, and I guarantee it'll pop up. Yeah, somewhere. go to Reddit. You'll find so, it. Yeah, you'll definitely find it. But it's one of those things. Also, can, I, can I say something? You know, and this is. You have a microphone in front of you. All right, man. And it's live, you know? Cool. So I hope so. <laughs> love Mother's Day. Mother's Day is an awesome day. But I'm going to say this, man. Father's Day is arguably the worst holiday that there could possibly be. Why? Grand example. For Mother's Day, go get your mom the new bracelet, you know, with all the, what's it, what's it called? Uh, as all the different, like, different. Charms? Ones. Yeah, different charms and stuff. I forget what it's called, but. It's from Zales or from one of those. Oh, I think it's just a charm. Go get one of those bracelets or buy mom the new Lexus or make sure you get her all these, you know, fancy new, you know, bath towels and stuff from Martha Stewart collection. Man, what do guys get for Father's Day? Man, socks. Tools. Tools. Go fix something. You know, like, go do work on <laughs> Father's do, Day. Go do work. Like, there's no cool. No, seriously. Think about it. There's no cool Father's Day sale. There's no cool, like, oh, Father's Day event. There's no cool Father's Day lunch or dinner. Even a steakhouse, there's like, oh, come bring your dad on this day and get half off the steaks. Like, there's nothing for dads. They can't stand dads. I know this because I'm a dad. And luckily, I'm one of those mushy guys. So when my son writes me a nice card or something like that, I'm like, oh. Like, for instance, got this birthday card from the station, which is awesome. I kind of welted up a little bit just, just reading all these. I don't know almost any of these people on here but <laughs> thank you guys so much because it felt good you know but i'm glad i remembered it because it's been on my desk since monday because your birthdays were last weekend both you and jesse i had two cards on my desk and i was like all right sunday i gotta make sure i go grab oh. these and i remembered i was very glad i did <laughs> so neither of you guys are fathers yet no but it will happen for you eventually and when that happens you will see that you're expected to cook on father's day like you're expected to make your own steak or do whatever or start the grill or do all the stuff like there's no rest for the weary on on father's day and that's i think it's well i, I think shout out to all the dads that really get it in but we need to start protesting because we need more stuff on father's day just I, saying i feel Mothers like, get all the stuff and rightfully so but i feel like too. this is the wrong day to bring that up no 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 we but, get all the they, mothers again they get all the stuff like like and they should right just maybe so. wait till tomorrow to bring up this hot take well, you know? i'm just saying i'm I'll only You're say that because all over mother's I day i only say that because we talk about talk. people potentially missing game seven to go to the western conference finals and or, to, or and you know you're gonna spend it with mom obviously but man if it was a dad thing man psh, please there's no brunch for dads the uh, i will say this about that 
I think Father's Day can be made great for you if you set that example. Sure, there might not be great deals like there are for Mother's Day, but if you put it in your wife or your kid's head or whatever, that on Father's Day you want to go to a great steakhouse and you would like to do this, or if you're a golfer you want to go play golf or whatever, then that will become Father's Day for you. You don't need to have Father's Day set by the general marketing wizards of the world. Have it set by you. Make that standard yourself. So put it out there early. Yeah. Like, go tell your son or your mom or whoever, hey, I want Father's Day to be really special this year. And just see what happens. You know. We'll see about that. Make a reservation at a steakhouse and then just say, like, oh, thanks for bringing me the steakhouse, buddy. Really appreciate this. This is my favorite restaurant. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. And maybe next year it'll happen, too. Well, or when he's old enough to make his own reservations. I know your son's still fairly young. but <laughs> We'll see. Um, some text on the Better You Today text line at 55305. That's where you can reach us throughout the show, by the way. And trust me, we will have plenty of Game 7 Blazers talk today. Basically, the entire show almost most likely will, will be this game today and this series. Uh, my mom loves the Blazers. She actually, she's actually pumped to watch the game. <laughs> well, that's good. That's dope. I think a lot of, I think a lot of moms were probably like that. I uh, used to live in Southeast Hawthorne. Jam on Hawthorne and Cricket Cafe were bananas on a normal Tuesday by 9 a.m. This town is brunch insane. It really is. There's a, I mean, there's some great brunch places here, but man, they are busy. They are busy oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like even a place like Screen Door, like you mentioned, it's hard to get in there on just a, a regular Wednesday. So... Mother's Day is going to be a beast. Buddy's wife asked what he wanted for Father's Day. Golf, peace and quiet, and some alone time wasn't an appropriate answer. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> <laughs> and I, don't, I don't think that's what you want. You're supposed to spend that time with the family, so that peace and quiet, that's right out the window. All right. Let's get into the Blazers-Nuggets game. I want to do this at some point. It won't be right away. But because I'm actually out next week, I'm going to a wedding next weekend. And then we'll already be deep into the Western Conference Finals if the Blazers make it and into the offseason if the Blazers lose today. I want to do a segment where I say where we do what if the Blazers win and what if the Blazers lose so we can kind of talk about both routes before knowing. Um, I do want to dive into today's game, what's going to be important. This series is so hard to predict. I have been wrong multiple times on what I thought this series would be. Last week I was wrong. We I all were. Yeah, I said it felt like the, that would have been the Nuggets killer right there is losing in four overtimes. That was last Sunday we talked about that, by the way. That shows you just how quickly the series has changed. But uh, that was very, very wrong. And then I think a lot of us thought game six was a death sentence for the Blazers because it, it has looked done in game five. We were very wrong outside of the first quarter, at least. So it's tough to predict, but we'll try to do our best. Uh, we got to talk about the bench players who have been stepping it up and all that and more. Text better you today. Text line 55305. Social media, uh, facebook.com slash 1080 the fan has a post up right now. You can find us on at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. That's me. Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. And then the station is at Tenny to the Fan. Talk to us throughout the show. And let's talk some Blazers Nuggets Game 7. We'll begin that next here on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 916 here on your Sunday morning. We're with you till 11 o'clock. Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad here. Jesse along with us as well until 11 o'clock. Blazers, Nuggets, Game 7, 1230 so ABC in Denver. Let's go. Let's go, bro. 
We will start with the series as a whole, because to me, this has been a very, very, very hard to predict series. I think generally it is maybe not easy, but you can get kind of an idea of how the series flow is going and, and what's happening and who's playing well at a certain point. And I mean, sometimes you'll get it wrong and sometimes it'll, it'll be hard to predict, but I feel like I have not watched a NBA playoff series that has been as hard to predict as this one in a very long time. Blazers in game one get 39 from Damian Lillard. He continues to torch everyone in the playoffs in that game, and they lose. Then Lillard doesn't play super well, and they win and only give up 90 points to the Nuggets team who couldn't hit a shot in that game. Then you get the four-overtime game, which was bonkers, and honestly, honestly, probably should have been won by the Nuggets four times before the Blazers stole it at the end of that game. Game five, we talked about how the Blazers should be on a high from winning that game. What kind of a mental reaction would the Nuggets have? It was close, but the Nuggets did. The Nuggets looked way more energetic than the Blazers did in that game. It looked like the the four overtime game affected them less than the Blazers. Portland loses by four points. You come back to Portland for game six, or sorry, you're in Denver for game five. You expect the Blazers to make a bounce back, but you think they're tired. They get absolutely destroyed. Bludgeoned. Am I am I right with that? Game five was in Denver, right? Game six back in Portland. You think the Blazers are so tired they're done. The for, first quarter happens. You you think you're you're basically right about all of that, and then they come back and just steamroll on the rest of the game. So what do you even say? Who has the upper hand? Is it just that even of a series? You've now had two blowout games, essentially. One was worse than the other. You had an overtime game. You've had close games. Maybe this series is just too even to truly call, and we just should be enjoying the fact that it is what it is. You've got two teams that I think both have a lot to prove. Neither team, even with the second and third seed respectively, I don't think anybody ever considered them a real threat to make it to the conference finals, right? You know, it was supposed to be Houston and – uh, Golden State. We all knew that's that's kind of what everybody figured would be the championship overall. Even people call it the semifinal matchup, the championship. Whoever wins that is going to win the title eventually. And so I think you got a couple guys. Still likely true. Yeah, I'm, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, very very likely. But I think you have a couple teams here that don't want their season to be over. You know, every every time they're faced with the the possibility of losing a game, we see some miraculous stuff like that four overtime game. It's you know it goes without saying that I've never seen anything like that before because none of us unless you were alive during the fifty eight game fifty four the the four quadruple overtime game that happened back in the fifties unless you were alive oh, during that oh I think it was like fifty two yeah, yeah unless you were alive during that like you'd never seen you know anything as competitive as they've done as this has been so man I'm looking at a guy in Jokic that's put his stamp on the fact that he is one of the stars in the NBA. Uh, I'm looking at a guy in C.J. McCollum who's proving that he is one of the stars in the NBA. I'm looking at the you're looking at the growth of a young superstar in uh, Jamal Murray who's proving night after night after night that he can get it done. Like some guys are streaky. He is streaky. He he is streaky, but he, that streak has been carrying over, and he's found his groove all of La- a sudden. Last game he was not good, and it sh- last game he looked tired. Oh, the no, Blazers he, got they, their wind, and he looked tired last no, game. All these guys are gassed. Like, all these guys are completely shot. Like, their their legs are all the way gone. You know, that said, Jamal Murray in game six still had 24 points and 10 rebounds. You know what I'm saying? Five assists. So, he's still, he was minus four, 
but he still did everything he was supposed to Just do. Just from watching game. it, though, you could tell you he could was tell. he was gassed. Everybody, you know, and, and Dame finally found, you know, his mojo, you know, at, during the quarters. He's been having these huge quarters, not necessarily like a sustained great game, but Dame will have these huge first quarters and third quarters, and all of a sudden, like, I think that's, it's great, but it's also like, I, I don't know if that's the best thing for the team because it, it's not like he's been able to really hold that momentum that he's had through most of the game. Like, he has these huge, huge quarters. I feel like, the, okay, so I, I'm kind of opposite of the feeling on that because to me, that is more of what made Golden State special, um, especially in the beginning when you had the Splash Brothers doing their thing and then you would have Steph, typically in the third quarter, they'd come out. You know, they're in a battle for the first half. We saw that so many times with the Golden State Warriors in the past where they're in a battle in the first half. They come out in the third quarter. Steph does his thing in the third quarter. They go up by 20 and game over. And it's it's about, I think, kind of conserving that energy, kind of like a prize fighter until he can land that knockout blow. And typically, to me, that knockout blow can come in that third quarter when you come out swinging. And so if... If you can get him to facilitate, keep all the teammates involved, get all that chemistry kind of rolling early in the game, and then you have your prize fighter land the knockout blow in the third quarter, I think that's a great formula for this team to move on into the Western Conference Finals. And, and while I while I, I agree with what you're saying, like, I, and if you look back at my Twitter, I've said uh, a few times that the Blazers have to win the first and the third quarter. Like, for seven of those 12 minutes, the Blazers have to be great. And you, I really d- expect Damian Lillard to be one of the guys that's great in that first quarter. And, and which, that they third have, quarter. which they have not been for which, two straight which games. Which they have not been. You know, third quarter, and then Dame, again, he finds his mojo, and then things kind of get going. But you would like to see your team start strong. You know, get off to a nice 16 you know, seven lead, and then, you know, see your team with some momentum. and Put, put a stamp on the game early, because... I agree with that because if the Nuggets are tired or the Blazers for that matter, if they're tired and they will be, although they've had two days off now, which is nice. um, Getting down early is going to be a mental punch in the head. Now I believe with both of these teams, you could be down 20 and both teams could still come back because they both can hit shots. They both have dominant players. We've seen the Blazers do it all year. I think the Nuggets have done it plenty of times as well. So it's not, it's not like a death sentence if you are down big in the first quarter, but I agree that it's huge. And the last two games, the Nuggets have dominated the first quarter. Absolutely. Um, I do have some audio here. I want to bring something up that we don't have on this page, but I want to play something after it. Lillard, after game six, said multiple times, it felt good to finally see the ball go in. Sometimes shooters go through slumps, and then you break out of it. And Lillard had not been great shooting the ball since game one of this series until game six. And maybe that's all he needed was to get going. And CJ had been good until I think game five. And then he got cold for a couple of games uh, and then got better again in game six as well. Or I, I guess to the end of game four, I can't God, These games are mixing together. Game three was the four overtime game mm-hmm. game four. I think CJ started getting a little bit cold. He was in game five and then started getting shots to go again in game six. The fact that they were able to hit their shots again is nice. You're not worried about them yeah. on this slump going into game seven. Here is Lillard, by the way, on today's game seven we got to go out there be tough be physical be sharp in our, our scouting report play for each other play with each other on both ends and um, just put the pressure on them you know make them earn everything on their offensive end and then when we get the ball uh, make sure that we get shots up you know value each possession don't go out there turning the ball over um, playing into their hands you know where they get an opportunity to get their crowd involved so um, that has to be our mentality to just be sharp, be physical, go in there, ready to take the game because it's the only way it's going to happen is us going in there and taking it. 
Turnovers. He said it there. That's the key that I took out of that. Last game, they only had nine turnovers. Mm-hmm. And the Nuggets actually only had six. The games before that, I mean, the players just were turning the ball over. It felt like every fourth possession. It was like, oh, my God, please hold on to the basketball. Bad passes, getting the ball stolen, stuff like that, or, or shot clock violations. They didn't do that last game, and it was vital for them. And that, that's that been – I know it's kind of a generic this is good for basketball thing, don't commit turnovers. But you could tell during the regular season when the Blazers committed, I think it was 13 or more turnovers, that game was sloppy, and it was close, and it was scary, right? And if they committed less than 10 turnovers, they were in control, and they just felt like they were getting better shots. It's almost, it's almost as if just the energy of the game is different. It's hectic versus – measured and you really want the blazers to be measured in this game because that's when they get get their best shots pass the ball around find the open shooter don't panic dribble into the defense al Farouk Aminu, i'm looking at you mo harkless i'm looking at you um and we'll talk about their potential replacements here in, in the next segment with hood and, and collins but um just be controlled and find the best shot that you can don't let denver take you out of that because you can still find the open shooter and like jesse said Find the other guys early to get them confident for the rest of the game. I've always liked that Lillard will kind of have a couple of assists in the first quarter and, and not take as many shots just to get his guys involved unless absolutely necessary. Do that because it works, especially with guys who can sh- shoot a shot like Rodney Hood. Well, absolutely. You know, when when your leader, who I believe can still score at will, regardless of how bad he's shot over the past, you know, first, first few games, I still think he can light it up. Uh, when he gets an opportunity, you know, and when he can get other guys involved first, I think it makes things a little bit easy for him. And especially when you see those guys that aren't used to scoring kind of get some big buckets. It's like Zach Collins has been great, you know, as far as one of those guys is get huge uh, rebounds. And and, and uh, he had a couple big, uh, big dunks that just kind of you can tell like momentum plays for those guys. because You're not really used to seeing them score, you know, kind of like that. And when Mo Harkless is able to give you 11, 12 points, like that's a good thing for your team when he's able to rebound inside. Like that's a that's a great thing for you. And so I think seeing those other guys getting it going, like how excited are all of us as Blazer fans when Aminu gets a couple to drop? You're kind of like, this is going to be a good day. Finally. This is going right. to be, this might be a good night. Like when you see two of his big wide open three-pointers go in, you're like, okay, this might work. I don't know what it is about Rodney Hood. I haven't seen him miss like a whole bunch. He is like, wet. He's every time it leaves his hands, I'm like, oh, that's money. Splash. It goes down. Like he's it's a perfect switch. Yeah, every it, time it, it really is, man. He's been one of those guys that just kind of lights it up. But I think when you see Seth and when you see uh, Zach and when you see Mo and all these other guys really get involved in the game, I think Lillard's eyes open really, really wide. And he sees, man, I'm going to be able to, to shred these dudes all, all night. Well, this, uh, I mean, so Damian Lillard's always got confidence. He's got confidence for days, right? He's not he's not going to go in to a game with a dearth of confidence. It's just it doesn't happen with him. He believes no matter what when that ball is leaving his hands is going through the hoop. It's just that's the way Damian Lillard is. That's not how all of the players in the NBA are. Some of them need to get their confidence going. It kind of reminds me of that NBA game. You see that little confidence bar at the top of their head. They <laughs> hit a three. All of a sudden, they're starting to feel a little the confidence they hit a couple more and then they're hot and they're they just not missing for the rest of the game. So uh, there is a little bit of reality to that, right? And so when you think about that, and when I say Dame being a facilitator out the start, him doing that uh, allows everybody to get that confidence going early because we know Dame's going to have it in the third, whether he's hit shots, whether he, whether he has two points going into the third quarter or 12 
or 20, he's going to have the confidence to hit that 30-foot shot no matter what. And so that's why, to me, it's more important for him to come out, get those assists going, and get the rest of the team running around him because, as we all know, he can go off for 60 if the rest of the team doesn't score 60 points. They're they're not winning. So he, he the rest of the team has to have that confidence, especially on the road, and that's why I think it's more important for him to, yeah, get some scoring going, but if you slash the rim because we know he can finish at the rim, they crash on him. That that creates open threes for other guys, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden that confidence is rolling. So, Well, you, Rashad mentioned Rodney Hood. You're alluding to Rodney Hood a little bit there too. Let's get to him and Zach Collins play and minutes in the rotation next. You're not going to see them start the game, but I think you're going to see them get 30 minutes in the game today, and they have been absolutely huge for the Blazers. Let's discuss next first, Jesse with Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Game six, Blazers win 119-108. Rodney Hood, 32 minutes. 8 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3, 6 of 9 from the free throw line. I guess that's the weakness. Four rebounds, no turnovers, 25 points. Zach Collins, 29 minutes, 4 of 8 from the floor, hit 1-3, hit all of his free throws, 5 of them, 4 boards, 1 assist, 1 steal, 5 blocks, no turnovers, Mm. 14 points. Mm. That was the difference in game 6, plus Damon CJ got going again too, of course. Game seven today, you were going to need much of the same from those two players. Now, I think a lot of Blazer fans want Stotts to start them because of how well they played, but I am not one of those people. I think keeping them off the bench is good because it gets your second unit going when the bench comes in, and then you can keep them in when the starters come back in late in the second quarter and in the fourth quarter like they did last game, especially in the fourth quarter of last game. You left Hood and actually left Turner in too. Mm Mm-hmm and Collins in the entire game. And I think you're going to see 30 minutes again for both of these guys. Rodney Hood is a gigantic matchup problem for the for the Nuggets. They have nobody who can guard him. They've got a bunch of smaller guards who they've been putting on him, and he can back him down in the post, which you've seen him do successfully. He gets those little floaters to go. He's been able to do the turnaround jump shot, and then, of course, he's been wet from the three-point line. And Zach Collins has been playing incredible defense on the one guy who's been hurting the Blazers worse than, worse than Jokic this series, and that's Millsap. Yeah. Millsap, I saw this stat. Let me see if it's still here. Millsap is just one of 11 from the floor when Collins is guarding him. So perfect, because no one else has been able to guard him except for Evan Turner a little bit. And put Collins on him, and you can stop one of the guys who's been killing you the entire series. I think I think the Blazers are lucky they found this when they did in game five, even though they lost that game to do it again in game six because it's going to be very, very helpful today. Uh, You know, each team has had enough, you know, experience with the other team during this playoff run just to see what each other's doing. They've got each other's best shots. You know, we've seen a couple really close games. We've seen a couple games that uh, could have really gotten out of hand. I think game six uh, was closer. Uh, the, the score was closer than the actual, you know, game was at points. Uh, the Blazers pretty much did whatever they wanted in that game. And, of course, game five, the Nuggets completely bludgeoned uh, the Blazers in that game. Uh, but you've seen each team come back and counter. You know, you've seen a team. We didn't think that the Nuggets would have 
any energy after game uh, after game four, and then they came back and just were dominant in the next game. You know, we didn't think that the Blazers would be able to respond, and yet they were able to come back. We didn't think the Blazers would be able to win on the Nuggets' home floor, who has the best home court uh, record in the entire NBA, and they were able to go in there and, and steal a game in Denver. So everything, like, like you said it when we started the show, um, I don't know what to make of this series. And the truth is, and you were wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, you were wrong. The truth is, we we were all were wrong. You know, but last Sunday, we were all saying that the series was over. All they need to do is win one more, and, you know, that's going to that's gonna do it for the Blazers. And in a week, just seven days, look how different everything is. And I think, Jeff, that just goes to show how evenly matched presently these two teams are. We forget that there is a big Bosnian dude, who, and I don't know how the hell he's walking around, but we saw Without what he did to his leg. Too. Yeah, no crutches. I don't know what that dude is doing to be walking around, but things would be very different if you have a Nurkic on the floor for you, you know. But at the same the time, the series probably over if you have Nurkic on the yes, floor. Yes, but at the you. same time, do, do you get the emergence of a Rodney Hood? You know, do, is he able to come out and give you the, some of the production that he's been giving you? Does CJ because? Uh, Nurkic still on the floor. Does CJ have the huge game in Game Three that that he had that day? So I think there's a, a lot to be said, you know, about what's happening right now. None of us really knew what the series would be. We all thought, you know, okay, the Blazers would be winning six, and then it was okay. Well, the Blazers are gonna win in five. Now it's a seven game series. So it's been up and down, man. It's been fun though. Some texts on the Better You Today text line at five five three zero five. Stotts figured out what I've said all year in twenty two years of coaching in high school college when building your team defensive game plan. We always identified any, quote, non-players on the other team. Took advantage of their presence to defend the Stars. PDX can't start and play two, quote, non-players and expect to win. Mo and Al Farouk Aminu are those types of players. Zach, Hood, and Curry can shoot, pass, and decision-make. That's from Coach B on the text line. It's a great text. Now, I, you, he is right that Mo and, and Aminu are, I guess, kind of non-players. Now, you, you, you had them defensively out to be out there to, to be good defenders, and it's it's hard to say take that away from them. I know neither of them have defended particularly well in this series. So recency bias, you look at it and go, oh my god, they're just useless out there. They're still good defenders, so they're not useless players. But you're right, they they are so inconsistent offensively that teams can hide bad defenders on them. Jamal Murray was guarding Mo Harkless. They weren't taking advantage of how because Jamal Murray is an atrocious defender. Yeah, he's, he's what Damian Lillard was four years ago defensively, really bad, and they were hiding him on Mo, and Mo couldn't do anything about it. But now you can't hide him. Jamal Murray guards Rodney Hood, he gets destroyed. If he guards Damian Lillard, he gets destroyed. Wherever they put him, he's getting destroyed defensively, and that's what you want. And I agree with the text that Curry, too, although he hasn't had the best series, he's hit some good shots, but he hasn't been, outside of that one second quarter, an amazing help in the series. But if you have those guys out there, you cannot hide anyone defensively, and it helps. It helps the Blazers a lot. No, it definitely helps uh, them a whole, whole bunch. And you know, the fact that Rodney Hood is really being guarded, and we haven't talked about this, is it just him being really good or being guarded by Jamal Murray for a lot of the time? Well, so, he's also been guarded by Beasley. He's been guarded by a lot of guys, and he's got buckets, but the majority of the time that he's been getting those buckets, man, Jamal Murray has been the guy that's been trying to trying to check him. And well, and it, Beasley and, and Morris haven't worked. been able to stop him no, either. Nobody's been. Or that. Will Barton. Will Barton's not a good defender either. And Will Barton, man. It, <laughs> he's, the, he's the guy that you got to worry about for the, for the Denver bench, but nobody else has played well at all. Will Barton is an energy guy, and he didn't score a bucket until that big game four where he just completely went off you know, in that game. And since then, man, Will Barton has been hot. He's been damn near unstoppable Not last offensively. Game. Not last game, but you know, up until uh, You want to hear something game. crazy? Let's hear it. He was minus 25 last game. 
Yeah. He had seven points on three of eight shooting and minus 20. But the one thing he can say is I think he's responsible for a couple of big Denver wins, you know, so far in in this playoff. I think especially game four. You know, and and I'm I'm waiting for the game to where Aminu is responsible for a big Blazer win. And I'm waiting for the game. Like, I think Seth has hit a couple big shots, you know, in the series to, you know, give them a lead and, you know, extend leads and stuff like that. I'm still waiting to see that moment from Aminu and that moment from Harkless. And Mark Harkless has done a good job in helping win a game, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, we've yet to see that from Al Farouk Aminu. And I bang on Aminu a lot. And he's here's a guy that's almost like Travis Outlaw. Well, remember, Not, last year or two years ago, he didn't win the game, but he did go off for like seven threes in a game, if you remember yeah. that. So No, yeah, he, he, was, he was very, very good. And there was a game that he played against um, – who was a Golden State, and he was wonderful in one of those games. I'm waiting to see one of those games. Hopefully, today is the day that he plays well. Um, again, he kind of reminds me of Travis Outlaw. He can either give you uh, – he can stuff the stat sheet or he can be non-existent for you. And so if you can see a happy medium between the two. I think the Blazers can do really, really well. Coming up next, defensively, what would you like to see from the Blazers today in terms of who guards who, who can stop who, and what you'd like to see from Terry Stotts in the rotations? Because we've seen some tweaks to that, and we've kind of mentioned a little bit about Zach Collins and Paul Millsap, which is definitely one that you want to see. And also I want to bring up Evan Turner a little bit. He's been polarizing this series, but I think he's been way more important to this team than a lot of Blazer fans are letting on despite his lack of scoring. And last game was the epitome of that. That's next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Last segment of the first hour with us. Coming up next hour, Hate It or Love It is at 1030. We will do a what if for the Blazers since you won't be hearing us again until Sunday next week. What if they win and what if they lose? What happens moving forward? And we might get a little bit into the other game seven of the day, which is... Sixers, Raptors, or Kyrie Irving, or the Warriors, Rockets. There's a lot to get to in the rest of the NBA, but I'm not sure we're going to have all the time that we want for it. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the defense for the Blazers and Evan Turner for this segment here. And I'll start with Evan Turner quickly. There's been a lot of negativity from Blazer fans surrounding Evan Turner this series. And I think some of it might be warranted. He has not been able to hit a shot really at all in the entire playoffs. But it kind of came to a head last game because they put him in and they actually played him for the entirety, almost the entirety of the fourth quarter. And his stat line at the end of last game was really, really interesting. He had 19 minutes played, seven boards, seven assists, no turnovers, and did not take one shot from the floor. And to me, he was one of the most important Blazers on the floor in game six. Because when he came out there with the bench unit, he knows he can't hit a shot right now. He knows. Mm-hmm. He's tried. He is way off with the shot. We're not sure why it, it, it happened this way, but it has. And he went, okay, I cannot shoot the ball. My goal in this in this game is to help facilitate the rest of the offense and as well as play good defense on Paul Millsap, which let's give him credit. He has played very good defense. Only Zach Collins has done him up one better in that role. Mm-hmm. I think Evan Turner is very important for this game because in last game, he was great at facilitating and keeping keeping the Blazers going when he was on the floor with, with his rebounding and his defense. 
I know a lot of Blazer fans don't want to see him out there because he can't shoot, but if you've got him out there with Hood and Curry and you got them at those guys who can shoot the ball as well as they can, you don't need Evan Turner to shoot. And then he can facilitate and you can give Lillard and CJ some rest, some much needed rest, which they will desperately need in this game at some point as well. I'd say keep keep Evan Turner in the rotation and just tell him don't shoot and let him do the rest of the stuff. Uh, I think it's hard to tell a pro basketball player not to shoot, you know, but in Evan Turner's case, I think it'll be relatively easy just to say, hey, man, just don't – if you're wide open, okay, take a step in and shoot, maybe just only layups or whatever the case is. But uh, Evan Turner, for what he's able to do not shooting the ball, is an incredibly effective basketball player. He, he is a, he's a very good defender. Um, and again, he's done a, a good job on Millsap. I know he had a, a few plays where he's uh, took Millsap stuff out of the air, and one of them was on a really nice turnaround Millsap had. And, yeah, not to be – Evan Turner just kind of cupped the ball. It's like, yeah, I'll take that. So his defense has been really great. He, he's been able to pass the ball and just get, get people involved and get rebounds. And he's Basketball is about a lot of different things. And people think if you don't score, then you're not good. Well, Ben Wallace was not a good scorer. Ben Wallace is – I think if you look at his career averages – I want to say they're like five points a game, six points a game, something terrible. Dennis Rodman's career scoring averages are like seven points, nine points. I'd have to look that up on basketball reference or something like that. But certain teams, he didn't score a whole lot, but he did so many other little things that kept his team in the game. Um, if Evan Turner can just really learn how to do those other things, I think the scoring will come. You know, I think uh, making good passes and getting get big rebounds and playing great defense, some of those things lead – a great offense and so if Evan Turner can keep doing these things I think offense will eventually kind of open up for him he'll be able to get it in the spots well I mean remember he's he had back-to-back triple doubles this year he he has shot the ball well at times this season I remember there was a span of I want to say almost 20 games where anytime he took that little mid-range jumper it would go in anytime no because he would back a guy down and then do a little turnaround jumper and it would work every time and then he started leaving them all short and they started missing them even worse because he tried to fix that and we're, we're where we are we are where we are now I don't want Evan Turner shooting the ball once. I liked his no-shot game last game, unless it's an easy layup or a putback. Um, keep doing what you did last game because it, it worked perfectly. Defensively for the Blazers today, I gave you the Zach Collins stat last segment. Paul Millsap is one of 11 from the floor when Collins is guarding him, which is miraculous because nobody else could stop Paul Millsap in the first five games of the series. Um I'd like to see Collins on Millsap again. I'd like to keep Evan Turner on Millsap again. I also I also wasn't as opposed to when the starters are out there having a Minu guard Jokic and having Cantor guarding Millsap. We've seen that a little bit. It's a little bit more to help with Jokic than it is to help with Millsap. I think you want Cantor's big body on Millsap, and he's not the best defender, but he's shown that he can actually defend a little bit this series. Um, but remember, before the series started, I thought maybe put a Minu on Jokic, it might work. It's helped slow him down a tiny bit. Nobody's really stopping Jokic, but Aminu's able to be rangy enough that it forces him to stay out and pass the ball, which he's great at, of course, and we found out just how good he is this series. But I think you've noticed that when Jokic isn't bullying his way to the rim, although he might get a triple-double, it's a little easier to win around him being an outside shooter and a passer than it is if he's just constantly inside. I think Aminu's done a good job of keeping him out there. I think with one thing, just not Aminu, but the team has done a great job. And really, it's hard to say somebody's done a great job when the person they're guarding is averaging a triple-double uh, for the most part. But uh, I think Jokic could be averaging so much more. But I think the Blazers' defense, at least as the series progressed, 
they got a lot better. They're throwing a lot more bodies at him. And so whenever he gets that quick spin move or he pump fakes and moves past somebody, there's another body right there waiting for him. So he's uh, we've seen him take a Euro, which was beautiful, you know, and everything. But I, I don't know if you really want him putting the ball on the floor because he's very good once he puts the ball on the floor. He's like the new Dirk. And once he figures out his body and that slims down a little bit, then, you know, I think he's going to be really I don't even know to, if he needs to do that. Uh, he doesn't need to, but I think he will. You know, I think he's. I think he hears the jabs and the all those things, and he's going to want to – because that's the one thing I think that at the end of – if you can knock one thing for for Jokic right now, it's, his, it's his, his body. That's the only thing you can look at that kid's game and say, eh, I don't like that. I don't like because he's too dumpy or whatever the case is. He looks look like Marcus Marcusall before Marcusall lost all the weight and became skinny Gasol. <laughs> that is true. It was weird watching him on the Raptors in this in this series that that is having Game Seven today because he just like stands out on the three point line now. He doesn't play inside no, anymore. He it's play weird. Inside. Um, pretty sad. I, I kind of I, I just want to see the Blazers stick with their defensive game plan from the last game because it worked. You were and, and uh, frankly offensive too. You got Nurkic in foul trouble, which or Jokic. Sorry, you got Jokic in foul trouble and. That's not something you've been able to do all series. Now, some of it is because the refs are giving him the ability to, to get away with some stuff, which is fine because he's a superstar. But last game, you drove into him constantly, and you got him moving on defense and tried to get him into foul trouble. And I think there was a series in the second or third quarter where he got two or three fouls in five minutes, mm -hmm. and he had to sit for a large portion of the second half because of his foul trouble. He eventually fouled out, so did Torrey Craig. I think – you want to do that and then defensively try to get them to be getting into offensive foul trouble, you know, for, force them away from the rim so that they have to use their bodies and their elbows to get close to the rim for easy shots. And then hound Jamal Murray, hound him. If they're doing that high pick and roll, which is their bread and butter, just like it is with the Blazers with, with Murray and with Jokic, you have to, you have to stay close to him. You cannot let Jokic's screen get, get in the way. Uh, I've seen them both go over and under those screens in this series. And I mean, Jamal Murray has gotten his, but they've both worked in various ways, depending on who is helping on defense. And I guess that's the final thought is communicate and do, do good things on help defense, rotate. Well, don't leave guys open last game. The Blazers were so locked in last game that everything was just working defensively. Yeah. The Nuggets really didn't have a lot of easy shots in the game. And in game five, you saw them have basically an entire game of easy shots. And I think they kind of figured out you have to have that right kind of communication. And it also helps that that Hood and Collins and Turner have fresh legs. So they're a little bit easier to, to get quickly over to guys when they're playing defense. So that's kind of my thoughts on the defense. Put Zach Collins back on Millsap. Let E.T. guard Millsap. I like Aminu on, on Jokic to start. And just try to get them in foul trouble any way you can. I mean, I, I think there's – we've been talking – there. Uh, we've been talking for almost two weeks about the series and about what we think is going to happen and what should happen. At this point, they've been coached up. At this point, like, there's really nothing else that we can dissect about the series. They just have to go out and really, you know, show their balls now and go show that you can play basketball and that you can win. And I think that's – They might get the, cited for doing that. I'm not sure you mm -hmm. want to do that. No, I mean, they might get cited. You know, they don't want to do that figuratively. Hopefully they don't really do that because then they'd for sure be, you know, arrested. But in this case, go out there and, and really show some heart and show that you can win twice on someone else's home floor 
show that you can be tougher than them. And I think that's the, the biggest thing. Right now, you've, you've seen two teams that have proven they can be tough. That four-overtime game could show you, should show you enough as far as these guys want to play. They want to win. They want to make it to the conference finals with an opportunity to play for an NBA championship. At this point, there's, no, there's really not much more talking that any radio pundit, any coach, any – any media personality could do like they just have to uh, go out we there. have an hour more talking we have we another hour yeah but uh, but at this point like what else can we really say like we we know what the blazers have to do we know what how, how they have to win and we know what denver has to do to be able to win so at this point man toss the ball up and let's see what happens well, it's a prize fight that's gone extra rounds after that four overtime game and I mean, obviously they are quite even since it's a seven-game series, if, if it's a seven-game series, there is definitely some sort of parity between the two teams. It, it, what, what comes down to in this one to me is um, the battle of wills, right? This is this is literally the battle of wills. Is Dame will, uh, will Dame will his team to victory or or, or will um, – I keep wanting to say Nurkic. But, I know, I did too. Jokic. <laughs> yeah, but Jokic. Uh, or is he going to do it? Because – because that has kind of been the story in this series. It's kind of been the story for the Blazers all this whole postseason so far. Is Dame kind of willing his team to victory? Gets the other teams, the other guys going, and and they get that wave of momentum. Game seven on the road. Can you do that? There, there's you're not going to see all of a sudden um, some sort of crazy adjustment that we haven't seen in the series before because all those adjustments have been made. If anything, we're gonna we might look back and go, wow, that that idea not to play Dame and the guys in the fourth quarter in, in game five actually might have been a good idea. Like that might have been what changed the momentum of the series in favor of Portland, not just for getting the bench involved, getting that confidence going, getting the sh- the shots to fall, uh, getting a little bit more rest for your your older players. Like all those things might line up. And that might be the adjustment that that and changed it, the series. And in that game, Mike Malone played his starters in the fourth quarter, despite them being up by 25 points. And that could be part of it. And last game we saw the Nuggets did look more tired than the Blazers. It's almost as if it switched. The Blazers were exhausted in games four and five. And then the Nuggets looked really tired in game six. I think you kind of erase that with the two days off. I think both bit. teams having two days mm-hmm. off is going to kind of erase the exhaustion factor. Uh, so we'll see. I wanted to read this text before we broke. Who would win a game of horse if he took out layups and dunks between Ben Simmons and Evan Turner? Uh, Evan Turner, uh, probably. Uh, and Turner, for sure. Ben Simmons can't shoot the I, ball. Uh, Turner can at least hit a three. He's done it in his career. Ben Simmons hasn't. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. That's a good one. I, uh, ben Simmons is the better player, but just shooting the ball? Yeah. Probably Turner. Yeah, probably Turner, right? Because his mid-range jumper, if it's working, is great. I would love to see teams that are guys that can't shoot at all can participate in, like, one-on-one games against each other. That would be great. Coming up next, the what-if segment. If the Blazers win, if the Blazers lose, that's next. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 